Hey, what's going on, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy coming at you with another fun podcast episode. I'm excited about today's guest that I interview. Uh, if you've ever been interested in real estate investing, this is the guy, uh, Lane Kawaoka of Simple Passive Cashflow. Dot com. Uh, he is awesome. He's earned his uh, bachelor's degree in industrial engineering, later got a master's degree in civil engineering, but has since switched that into real estate investing, which is what he does full time. He started his website as a passion project to help other real estate investors if you're just starting out or if you want to go big time with uh, real estate syndication, investing in bigger groups than investing in big multi-unit properties, then this is the guy. So simplepassivecashflow.com is the site you wanna go check out. Lane is awesome. We talk about real estate investing today. We talk about some of the myths uh, regarding financial future or finances in the world today. Um, some of it might strike a chord with civil engineers. We talk about 401ks and such. But I know that as civil engineers and engineers in general, you care about your financial future. And so I wanted to bring Lane on and I think he shares a ton of wisdom with everybody uh, about real estate investing. And so you definitely wanna check it out. So without further ado, Lane is coming right up. I just wanted to do a brief introduction of him. Um, his passion project, like I said, is simplepassivecashflow.com. You can go check that out see all the tips and tools and resources and courses he has on there. He can take somebody that's a beginning real estate investor or an advanced real estate investor and has dealt with millions of dollars of real estate. So definitely something to check out. He runs a mastermind group as well. Uh, does all kinds of things to help people uh, earn uh, investing in real estate, uh, which is something I do as well. I have a duplex and I'd like to do something more than, than just that, but it's always a good time. So anyway, without further ado, Lane is coming up and it's coming up right up after this. All right, we are going live. How's it going, Lane? Thanks for jumping on the Civil Engineering Academy podcast with me. How's how's uh, how's life over there? That's good. It's good when I'm not work, working the engineering job these days. Hello, <laughs> engineers over there. <laughs> Uh, there's so much to talk about. So um, you you are an engineer. You have uh, a professional engineering license. Is that correct? That's correct. I didn't use your program. I got lucky <laughs> and I passed it on my first go around. But I did the industrial engineering test, which is a lot a lot easier than awesome. all the others, in my opinion. So that's my my only advice for that test. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I definitely am going to read more about your your bio, but why don't you talk a little bit about your own background? Um, maybe why you got into civil engineering and like, what, what do you do now? Yeah. So, um, I used to, I, I kind of followed this linear path of go to school, study hard, get a good job for some strange reason. And I must've been good at math and science when I was eight, 10, maybe because mm. of that, that come on thing my parents made me go to, but <laughs> I, became an engineer and, you know i think part of it was i just wanted to make money and not go to even more grad schools so like engineers make decent salaries without having to go get a dentist or doctor or, or mba that's true so that's what i did i was never really good at doing all those problems with the spider going this way with four kilometers you know that type of stuff um so i became a project manager uh, construction supervisor is my first job and I didn't like it because I was working on the road all the time and you know really likes doing that stuff right such so yeah. high stress um, and, and again following all this financial dogma that we're told to do invest in 401ks buying a house to live in 
um, which I don't necessarily believe is good financial advice for the wealthy. Um, I bought a house to live in in Seattle, but I was never home. So I just decided to rent it out. And in my own early 20s, I realized, wow, this is a lot of fear money. The rents were $2,200 a month. The mortgage was $1,600. I knew nothing about the 1% rule, the 50% rule, any of these things that we can talk about today. But um, I made a lot of money doing it. And then I realized, wow, if I keep buying more and more rentals, I'll be able to fire my boss. And eventually I did that. Wow. So um, were you working as a project manager in Seattle? Is that where you were? I actually worked for the railroad. So it took us, took me all over Nebraska, Montana, Washington, California, Texas. Um, Yeah, was never really home. But it allowed me to, when I moved out of that home, I actually didn't live anywhere. So I was able to save maybe eighty to $100,000 a year, which went all to investing. And that was kind of the name of my game for like the first five, 10 years of investing. I plowed everything into buying more and more rental properties. That's awesome. So, you know, I'm with Civil Engineering Academy. We're talking to a lot of civil engineers that are out there. And I know a lot of them have on the top of their mind where they're going to put their money to invest. And a lot of them want to invest in in real estate. I, I, I done that myself. When I was single, I got into a duplex. I still own the duplex, even though I've moved out of it. And it, I've been renting that. It's been great for me. Uh, I've enjoyed doing that with the landlord for it um, for a long, long time. I've since turned that over to a brother that does property management. But um, that, you know, that was my first uh, step into the real estate world. Uh, but I mean, you talk a lot about, uh, about investing into real estate. What, what kind of advice would you have for civil engineers that want to get into this world? Yeah. So I think first of all, like you got to kind of take your advice with a grain of salt. Most people, when they think of real estate investing, they're thinking of flipping houses, wholesaling properties, but all that is for like broke guys, guys without mm. a professional salary, such as engineers. And, um, most of my, my, my clients are engineers these days, I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, you, you need to understand the numbers a little bit. And us engineers, we love the spreadsheets. Um, I guess if people want to go to my website, they can download my analyzer for free and knock yourself out, go ham on that stuff <laughs> as engineers do. But I mean, real estate investing, it doesn't take a rocket science to run the numbers on these properties. But I think there are other professions or people that don't go to college that are just totally intimidated by running the numbers on these rental properties. Um, one of the big things we go after are properties that meet the 1% rent to value ratio or greater. So we want to see, you know, you want to take the monthly rent divided by the purchase price and they need to be 1% or higher. So if you're living in places like Seattle, California, Hawaii, New York, Boston, Miami, it ain't going to work. You're in a, what we call a primary market. We're trying to buy properties in more secondary tertiary markets where we can meet that 1% rent to value so we can cash flow on a monthly basis. But you know, most people out there are doing these other HGTV flip a house strategies. Mm. And that's more for like people who don't have money. They got to trade time for money. But as a working professional, as an engineer, you know, you make a pretty decent salary. Mm-hmm. The important thing is just saving it and putting it into buying 20% down payments, boring cash flowing properties, turnkey rentals are a great way to get started. Um, 
that that kind of term kind of gets thrown around a little loosely, but it essentially is a property that a rehabber has fixed up new plumbing, new, new appliances, new roof, new big, all the big components have been rehabbed. Sometimes they'll even put a tenant there for you hmm. and you purchase it and you, it's like turnkey, right? It's ready to go. Hmm. Um, great way to get started. Have you seen, I guess, in today's market, I know real estate seems to be just crazy high, um, that properties are still meeting that 1% rule. I mean, are rents moving up and matching the price of the properties? Yeah, that's one thing that never goes down is rents. Rents typically always go up, even in recessions. Um, and this is why we kind of, we, we get off the beaten path because these primary markets, you just have too much dumb money there like california um where you know this you, you're not it just doesn't make sense for an investment sure you can go up with pace of inflation but um as cash flow investors myself included you know we we don't really invest for appreciation we want cash flow because when i was starting out i wanted to quit my job so i needed to replace my salary and yeah sure if the property goes up in value that's great but it go up goes up, comes down, up and down, up and down. I wanted something that was more sure, which is investing in 1% rent-to-value ratio properties are better, which are typically in secondary or tertiary markets and typically more what we call B and C class areas, so not the high-end luxury stuff. And we certainly don't want to be in the low-end, you know, the All right. zone areas too. That's good. Good advice. Uh, a lot of times, uh, I'm just looking around, but you talk about some counterintuitive wealth rules. Um, what Could you talk about some of those? I know you've probably hit some of those, but are there some other ones? Yeah, so the I think the big two are, you know, wealthy people, they don't do retirement accounts, 401ks, even Roths, not a big fan of them. Um, well, you also, so I, if I'm wrong, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if you're making a certain amount, you can't even get into some of those like Roths. yeah if you make if you make a certain amount um you can't do a Roth but you can always do a 401k and that type of stuff pre-tax but there's four big reasons why I don't we don't advocate for them in our groups um first of all you know our our income is going to be going up most people in the world are normal financial dogma that they teach us is that when you retire your income will go down therefore you're in a lower tax bracket but I I think most of the people in my group, yourself included, we're going to be making a heck of a lot more money in the future, therefore being in a higher tax bracket in the future. And therefore, what you should do is pay your taxes today. Get it out of that system. The retirement funds is the number one source of untapped money that the government has. They essentially has a lien on your money to tax you whatever you want. Hmm. Um, the second big thing um, out of four is, you know, like, the, the taxes are probably going to be going up in the future. How else are we going to pay for all these government entitlement programs? Of course, they're, they're going to inflate the money supply to lower their debt amounts, but it's also going to be increasing taxes. So again, pay your taxes today, get it out of the system today. Thirdly, I don't want to wait till I'm 65, 70. Most of my clients are able to get financially free if they make a professional six-figure salary and above in five to 10 years. I'm not, we're not waiting till we're 60, 65, 70 years old to get a, a retirement money. And then lastly, here's a big kicker, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you invest in a retirement account, it, the money grows tax-free. But when you invest in real estate, what we get is paper losses due to depreciation of the asset. So a lot of our returns are tax-sheltered anyway. Now, the big kicker that we help high-net-worth, wealthy professionals play is like on their taxes, 
is when they invest in larger syndication deals, they can do what's called cost segregation. You get an engineer to do take all these components uh, lists and give it to the CPA. So you can aggressively write off the property and get a huge amount um, of passive activity losses on your taxes. And this is what I use to pay little to no taxes. Um, I'm able to drive my adjusted gross income all the way down to almost nothing. And this is how I legally pay no taxes. Um, hmm. And these are the, the, the games that the wealthy play. Lane, could you back up and talk about what syndication is for people that don't maybe know what that is? Yeah. So when in 2015, I was picking up rental property after rental property. Um, I had 11 of them back in 2015. Each property gave me about a few hundred bucks of cash flow per property. So I was making eh, several few thousand dollars of passive cash flow a month, which is awesome. Was that but, a single uh, single family homes then? Is that yeah, each single family home typically, you know, hundred thousand dollar purchase price, twenty thousand dollars down, will yield about maybe two or three hundred dollars of passive cash flow a month. Hmm. So I had eleven of those, so that equates to about three thousand dollars of passive cash flow a month. Um, but I had an eviction or two every year, some kind of big issue that happened, she fell on the house, some kind of big plumbing issue maybe every quarter. So $3,000 a month isn't that much money, right? Most of my clients, they want about $10,000 a month passive at least. So you're going to have to multiply my exception number by three times. Now you're talking about an eviction every other month, some kind of big catastrophe that happens every couple of weeks. And this is when I went searching, right? Search doing different masterminds, get around other high net worth accredited investors. And they're all investing in private placements and syndications where a pool of private investors pool their money together and go buy more of a commercial asset, such as an apartment, self-storage facility, mobile home park. And they pool their money in together and they get above the mom and pa investor crowd buying single family homes, duplexes, triplexes, or quads, um, typically buying 50 to 300 unit apartment complexes. That are better deals. There is value add strategy where you're rehabbing the units, getting higher rents, and it is a more stable cash flowing asset. Um, the only problem with this strategy is finding the right people, and this is where the term country club deals comes from. Hmm. It's all who you know, and you know. I, I think this just occurs over time, right? As you become an investor, you find other people doing the same things, and then you kind of grow together. And you find your way into these other syndicated deals. I um, had a quick question on that. Um, there is a uh, website out there called Republic.co, and they offer, you know, the masses. Right? It's almost like crowd investing, and they allow people to get into real estate deals. I don't know if you've ever played around with that website. Yeah, so they're using the new crowdfunding laws, which yes. what they normally do is. I don't want to just call out that one, but typically these crowdfunding websites are act as a broker dealer and they're, we've tried to use them on our past deals, but they charge us an arm and a leg to use. So I really question on the caliber of sponsors on there. Um, it, I think in the future, it, it's, it's a great idea, right? Because what it's doing is tearing down all these middlemen. And that's my big problem. Cool. You want to invest on a crowdfunding website. There's less middlemen on there, but whatever you do, don't invest in like all these Wall Street mutual fund products because ultimately they're just stealing your money. Hmm. I mean, I learned this very early on. I mean, 
when I was, when I had a, just a single family home turnkey rental, I was making 20, 30% returns on money every year uh, with the tax benefits, mortgage pay down, appreciation and cash flow. Um, and this is very on like when, it, in, when I was in my 20s, I'm able to do the math. Um, I actually have a video of walking through the math because I know engineers like to do that stuff. Um, where I think I'm in my late 20s. I'm doing like something on the whiteboard. Um, it's at simplepassivecashflow.com slash returns. But for now, just take my word for it. Making like 20, 30% returns on my money. And I'm looking at my 401k and like, what the heck? Like eight to 10% maybe goes up and down all the time, like a roller coaster. Like who's taking all my money? Like, why can I do this by myself and do like three, four, five times better? Yeah. Right? Who's taking all my money? And this is where I realize that this is how the financial system is created, right? How else do they have all these big banks, buildings, and big right. towers and high executive salaries? I and mean, unfortunately, the system is engineered to draw people's retirements. Mm. And and this is why hardworking folks like us have to work so dang long. Oh, man. So, um, I, you're ruining a lot of people's afternoon right there. But oh, man. You're, make, you're breaking people's <laughs> hearts out there. But I, I, real estate, though, is, ex I mean, this whole topic is exciting. And um, there's definitely more information I think people need to, to get into to, to learn all this. So, um, with this syndication stuff and country club deals, how, how did you find people? Like if somebody wanted to, to find out, uh, a group that does this syndication stuff, how, how are you networking? How are you, are you just joining, uh, finding masterminds? Is that, what's the best way to try to find out where you can, um, rise above kind of these mom and pop deals and try to find something uh, of greater worth? I don't have very, very good advice here because it's like, it's all word of mouth and your uh -huh. network is your net worth. Um, when I first started, I, I mean, look, I, I started investing in 2009. I didn't find this stuff until my net worth was well over $600,000 and I was investing um, in it for like six, seven years. You, likely, and for good reason, you're not going to find yourself into these rooms. But what I right. can tell you is, Stay away from the local RIAs because it's just a bunch of broke guys out there flipping houses and trying to get rich quick. And a lot of the free internet stuff, you know, you pay for what you get. Um, gotcha. So be on the lookout for other accredited, high net worth, working professionals, doctors, lawyers, engineers, dentists, accountants. These are the people that you're trying to find. Gotcha. Um, do you have any advice for people that maybe want to invest outside of the state that they're in, or do you recommend just staying with the state that you're in, or is it just best to find the best deal and, and go with it wherever that is? I am a big proponent for living where you want, but investing where the numbers make sense. I will never buy a property in Hawaii or California or Seattle. The numbers don't work. Mm -hmm. um, there's just too much dumb money out in the vicinity. So you're going to have to go to places like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Little Rock, Jacksonville, Huntsville, Alabama, places like that to find cash flow. If that's your strategy, right? Yeah. Most people in this world just gamble on appreciation and most times it works out. But personally, I would rather, I'm just more of a prudent investor investing in cash flow. So I have to go remote. That makes sense. And do you, how do you manage those properties that are remote? Do you so, hire a property manager or 
always hire a professional property manager, right? And this comes down to your highest and best use. If you're somebody who makes a professional salary, you shouldn't be screwing around fixing up your property, leasing up to your tenants, interviewing tenants. That's a property manager's job to find somebody who does that. But I think where people like the problem they get into is they don't go into one person rent to value ratio property and begin with. They don't download my free analyzer and and cash flows to pay somebody ten percent of your rents. Um, that makes sense. You got to be a be an investor, not a landlord. I like that. Um, you're out in Hawaii, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you do you have any property there? No, no. So that's the other thing. I don't buy <laughs> properties to live with. I think if your net worth is, I think your net worth needs to be two times greater than the price of your house to be able to buy the house. Okay. If buying a house does not make money for you. It just is a financial drain. Most people buying houses in California or Hawaii, you could take that down payment by five, six houses out in the Midwest. And now you have five, six families paying down your mortgage for you, getting equity built up there. Um, that's awesome. Um, so tell, tell us a little bit about, uh, I know you offer some courses too, uh, outside of just real estate investing. Do you want to, can you dive into any of those, those, tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. So we have some courses, um, buying your first run, a remote rental property is a, kind of the place to start for most non-accredited investors. Um, for your folks, we can give them away. If you want to introduce me, and if they came from you, Isaac, I'll give them the remote investor course light. It's like six or seven hours of um, you know buying your first rental property remotely. Um, I used awesome. to do I used to do like an incubator group, and there's a more in-depth e-course on that for purchase. Um, but lately, I've had to like focus more on my accredited investor group, um, where we teach syndications as LPs. So there's a syndication LP e-course. So if you're already an accredited investor, you know I would probably skip to that education first, and then of course we run this the the mastermind, which I call the family office Ohana mastermind. High net worth accredited investors. Right? This is your community of people which deals to go into more importantly, which deals to stay away from, but then all the tax, the legal, um, we do infinite banking with whole life insurance, like all these things that I discovered that the wealthy do. That is very counterintuitive. How our parents taught us, how people in the cubicle next to us think it's done very different, but it's very simple, simple processes. No, I love it. Um, I think a lot of people are also, I mean, typically are familiar um, with Robert Kiyosaki's books. Um, I noticed on, you have a YouTube channel. I think you call yourself the rich uncle. Is that oh, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we have like, so most of them, like my podcast, Simple Passive Cashflow, it's geared more towards, you know, higher net worth, working professionals, accredited investors. So I always thought that there was some like gap with like people coming out of college, you know, like your, your younger nephew. They don't have much money yet, but they're not, you know, they're not accredited investors yet, but they, unfortunately, nobody helps them other than like their moms and their dads just tell them to buy houses to live in. And, yeah. You know, that was bad financial advice, in my opinion. Uh, well, I think uh, that's probably like 99% of the population. Yeah. There, yeah. So. Well, you know, like going back to the thing about buying a house to live in, 
like most people are really bad with their money. They, it might be because they don't make any money, right? Um, but even if you make a good engineering salary and you can't save more than five grand a year, there's something there, right? And I would say maybe for those people, it would be good to buy a house with them because that's a forced savings account. But most of the people in my tribe, you know, they save 10, 20, 30, 50, $100,000 a year. They're on a different side of this paradigm. It's smarter for mm -hmm. them to take that money and invest it because they, they can control their spending. They are good financially responsible. Um, that's probably what 5% of the population right there, if that. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like, I mean, you've got a ton of information. Uh, your website is awesome. Definitely go check it out. Simplepassivecashflow.com. Um, is there any other, is there a book or resource that you'd recommend to our audience um, to, if, to go check out? If their net worth is under a quarter of a million dollars, go buy some rental properties. What I would do is um, check out our free guide at simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey. Um, if the syndications, if rental properties seem to be a pain in the butt, um, check out simplepassivecashflow.com slash syndication. Learn how to be more of an accredited LP investor and just get educated. You know, my email address is lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. That's awesome. Well, Lane, I appreciate you jumping on. I think you've shared a ton of tips and tools and resources. Um, it's always fun for me to hear your story into engineering. I wanted to hear that and kind of how you're out of engineering too and doing what you love. So that's awesome. Yeah. You know, most investors are engineers. It, really? Well over like 50, 60% of occupations when we do our shindigs and I mentioned like engineers are not afraid of the numbers, right? That's yeah. obvious, but I think secondly, and this might be the primary reason is engineers are probably the lowest paid professionals out there. Yeah. The lowest uh, paid of the smart people. <laughs> so that there's is a, very there's true. Point. You know, you doctors can be really bad with their money and they typically are, they're bad investors, but, they can drive around the Porsche and cause they make so much money. But mm -hmm. you guys know engineers, you'll never, you'll, you'll be lucky to get that luxury car or whatever aspirational thing that you want to buy because you just don't make that much. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting about civil engineering is that we affect all humanity in some way to the water you drink, to the buildings that you're building, to the roads you drive on. Like, um, Nobody yeah, we're, cares. We're no. responsible nobody. for a lot of life. <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, it's just the things that nobody thinks about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody cares. I mean, uh, to me, ultimately, the, the the salary, the income you bring is is comes down to how difficult is it to replace you. There's just a lot of engineers out there that are willing to you know not really talk to people and just play on the computer all day long and mm -hmm. do these these problems. I mean, it's not that difficult to replace you. I mean, and part of that is maybe colleges produce too many engineers. I don't know. I don't know either. And you know, yeah, software is doing a lot of the stuff. So yeah. I mean, a lot of my software engineer clients, they got a rougher because they become obsolete. After really? Point, whereas civil engineers kind of got it easy where it's, you know, it doesn't change too much, right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you go into what you go into and engineering 
principles yeah, stay the same. Yeah, dirt doesn't change. Dirt and fridges <laughs> doesn't change. So you got it right. Well, is there, uh, Lane, is there any last second tips, tools, anything else you want to mention before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, get started, guys. I mean, your highest and best use is likely at your day job, but passively invest in real estate on the side. Perfect. Okay, go check them out, simplepassivecashflow.com, and uh, we'll link everything in our show notes so everyone can check it out. But Lane, thanks for jumping on with me and uh, really appreciate your time. Cool. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you.